Hey, I'm Parker Lennon. And this is Chuck Stack. And you're listening to Fat Fitness. Use fitness as a goal for something we wanted to do, and it allowed us to do things like rock climbing and surfing and, and do it in a fun way. Things you should question yourself about before you compete. Everybody's different. And yeah. so if you think you're going to be just like that study, or you think you're going to fall directly into that category, you're probably wrong. I follow doctors and certain trainers that are PhDs and yeah. stuff so that I can get what they're doing their research on. High game is the relentless pursuit of meeting new people. Yeah. <laughs> this or, is like killing a million little organisms at a time. I was in a really bad place, but what got me through was fitness, number one, and secondary was meditation and really good friends, of course. So today, we're doing a uh, FAQ Fitness podcast with just me and Christina Martin. That's me. And we're going to talk about bikini competitions. And um, so how did you get started with bikini competitions? So how did I get started? Uh, that's a loaded question. Um, it's, it's a multifaceted, uh, has a multifaceted answer. So I have always been competitive. I ran D1 cross country, Gold Bulls, USF. Mm. Um, so when I finished that, I kind of had this, what do I do now feeling? And I... Uh, decided to start doing a lot of mud runs and obstacle course races and half marathons. And then I got engaged and then I got unengaged and I had feelings of, uh, kind of like insecurities, I guess, like I wasn't good enough or I didn't look as good as I could. And I thought, to myself, how can I get myself out of this depression that I'm in and in this rut that I'm in? And um, I I decided I was going to get a gym membership, my first ever real gym membership. And I remember I walked up to Mr. Tony Black, if he's watching. Thank you, Tony, because you totally changed my life. Um, but I walked in the gym and I previously met him. Um, I knew he was a bodybuilder and kind of told him that I was looking to do a competition. And he said, come train with me, Christina, come check it out. And I was honored and excited and thrilled. And so I, I showed up the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day for nine months. Um, and he later told me that he thought I was going to quit. <laughs> um, Good faith there, man. <laughs> Should have kept that shit to yourself. <laughs> but anybody that knows me knows I'm not a quitter. And once I, um, once I set my mind to something, um, I follow through and I follow through with, with everything that I have. And, uh, thanks to Tony, I learned everything that I know about bodybuilding. Um, I pulled myself out of the depression from the, the loss of the relationship. And I found, uh, strength in myself that I didn't know I had mentally, physically, um, and I found that I had the ability to, uh, impact the lives of others in a positive way through my pain and my growth. Uh, and that was exciting. And I competed, uh, I did my first competition, I placed second at a, a stacked group of 12 in an all natural competition. Um, that was, uh, ABFF Clearwater Supernatural in Clearwater, Florida. After that, I did an NGA show in Orlando, placing second again. And then my third competition was um, the NPC uh, Wings of Strength Tampa Pro 
and I placed sixth my first NPC competition, which is, if anybody knows the Tampa Pro, it's a huge show. So uh, that was a huge accomplishment for me. But, um, and then I, I went on again to do my second NPC, which is my fourth competition of the year, which is insane. Uh, and I placed second again. So uh, always, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. But uh, it pushed me on to compete again the next year. And again, I placed, uh, I placed top 10 the next year as well, two shows that I did. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, they say breakups make bodybuilders and yeah. that's true for me, but I also found, uh, found a love that I didn't know I would, that I would find with, with weightlifting. Which, you know, I can definitely also you know, <laughs> attest to. It's, it's kind of like one of those things when you go through a breakup, like the gym becomes, like your your solace, you know, like you have to go in there and it's your place that you go to feel better. Um, so we're kind of trying like to steer people in the right directions because this has become more and more popular with each year. Right. And so we were thinking today, um, what would be a good place for you to start? Um, Obviously, Christina has a lot of experience and she can answer a lot of the questions that I can't because I have not done a bikini competition, nor do I plan <laughs> to do one. Um, but yeah, so we want to steer in the right direction. So um, where's the best place to go when you first start? Like, I know this is kind of a multifaceted answer again, but where do you think is the best place to start with everything? That's a really tough question. Um, do you think it's a coach or do you think it's finding the the right competition um i think small goals and small steps so it really it depends on where you are when you decide that you want to compete so for mm. me i had um i had a running background um if anyone has seen my before pictures i was very skinny my arms were very thin um i always had nice decent amount of leg muscles but um Building for me, like I said, took nine months. Some people, if they have a lot of fat to lose, they're going to have to um, work on that before uh, before anything else. And so it really depends on where you are. I would definitely recommend getting a coach and a trainer. For me, Tony, Tony took me under his wing as a bodybuilder and helped me get to where I was. And he didn't he didn't get paid. He didn't have to do any of that. So I've, you know, I'm grateful for that. But for most people, they have to hire a trainer and a coach. And uh, sometimes a nutritionist isn't a bad idea either. Yeah. So I think um, for someone who doesn't understand that, kind of give the difference between a trainer and a coach. Because I'm a trainer, right? But <laughs> That's true. I'm not a coach. So a coach should be somebody who, um, uh, preferably has experience in in bodybuilding. So maybe somebody that previously competed or uh, potentially still competes, maybe they are a judge, um, be it in the NPC or um, NGA or whichever whichever category you think that you would like to go to or which federation you feel like you would compete in. Um, I would find someone who is connected in that particular federation um, and who knows who knows their stuff. Um, and we'll get into the politics a little bit later too, because that that does somewhat play a part, right? Well, it's it's important that you have a that you have a coach that knows the rules. For example, if you were competing in the NGA or the INBA, 
Um, you might have to do something called a T-walk when you're competing in the NPC or the um, IFBB. Yeah, IFBB or something like that. You don't have to do the T-walk. So you need to know the difference. You need to know the rules. And it's best to find somebody that um, that knows, you know, like I said, the, the difference between those. Another thing, too, um, that goes in line with that that um, I would say is a lot of trainers know a lot about modifying uh, certain aspects of, you know, your body. But a coach can give you those kind of fine-tuning things at the end that you need for to be show-ready. And then also, the other thing that, as a personal trainer, I don't know very well, I've had to be coached, and um, is posing. So that's a big thing that a lot of people don't take into consideration until last minute. I see that a lot. So, even even myself when I was when I was planning on doing a show, which I still have not. Yeah, so I, I guess I didn't really answer your question in regards to the difference between a coach and a trainer. So a trainer is going to help you work on your fitness goals, whereas a coach is going to tailor you as a um, competitive athlete, whether it's bikini, physique, fitness, bodybuilding, um, and sometimes if you're lucky, you might find one that does both. Um, personally, I think it's it's good to have. Two separate, two separate people for that. Um, you have two eyes critiquing you and, and kind of helping you uh, tailor your look. And you're going to have some overlap too, which is a good right. thing. So like, you know, a trainer can see um, how you're filling out and you might have a little disagreement too, I guess, but it, it's good to have some overlap so you can kind of take the, the best of the two situations. Um, so you mentioned a lot of the different... Um, competitions and I guess organizations that do them. Um, what are the differences? We haven't really talked about that. And I think it would be good to kind of outline some of the differences of a natural competition versus like NPC, IFBB, um, and what those are. So um, I guess I'll start with the NPC. It's the National Physique Committee. And um, the IFBB is the professional uh, version, if you will, of the NPC. So um, in order to to compete in um, a, as a professional athlete, um, you have to, uh, there are certain, there's certain uh, shows you have to win or competitions you have to win to, to get that title, and then you can compete as a professional. Um, it's, I don't want to say that it's easier in all natural categories or all natural um, federations, but um, from my personal experience, it seems to be a little bit easier to get your pro card um, in the NGA or the INBA. Um, I've known girls who have competed in their first show and gone pro, whereas in the NPC, um, sorry, that was in the NGA. In the NPC, um, you qualify for nationals, compete at a national show, and have to place, um, you know, very high to, you, to get that professional. Is it? I thought it was. Um... Isn't it three top three or above? Uh, I think it depends on what show you're at, but yeah, it's, it probably it's, depends on the class. It too. depends, yeah, it depends on the class, the show, who shows up, a lot of different things. So, and that's the other thing too is that can be really confusing for people is that um, rules are different in different places in different shows. So um, you kind of have to stay on your toes and be patient and realize that no two shows will be run the same. Um, and you kind of learn to just chill out and kind of go with the flow uh, the more you compete. Um, and later on, we're going to get in the, into the good and the bad and the ugly um, because there are some awesome things and there are also the other side of things um, that we want to talk about too because we want to give you the whole, I guess, story of doing competitions. 
Um, the one thing that I wanted to kind of make clear too is she's saying natural versus not natural. Um, and not to say that there aren't natural athletes in NBC, in NBC, NPC or IFBB. But NPC, I'm one of them, and I'm proud to say um, it would be my pleasure to compete as an all natural, all, uh, all natural bikini competitor in the NPC, and maybe beat girls that are not. Um, yeah. And and people might think that I'm crazy for even talking about this or or saying you know um, bikini competitors have turned to taking. Uh, things. We'll leave it at that. We're going to get to it later. I promise. We'll get to it. Um, but it's, it's, it's gotten to that point, um, in competitiveness where, um, if it gives you competitive edge to burn fat faster than the next girl or to come in looking leaner, um, you know, skin looking like tissue paper, ripped, shredded, whatever. Um, girls, girls are doing that as a scientist, um, you know, as a, as almost almost Dr. Martin, I I don't agree with that. I'll never do it. And again, it would be my pleasure to to beat those that do. You know, it's a personal choice. I'm not judging, but um, yeah. So I compete in NPC because I like the competition. Uh, not to say that I have anything against NGA or any of the other ones, but yeah. Yeah. So if if you're new to this, uh, NPC IFPB are more mainstream um, as far as the I guess publicity of it. They're they're the ones that you see more often, I would say. There are other ones coming out. Um I don't know who's watching. If anybody's watching, there's um Yeah, feel free to ask questions by the way. I didn't say that like I normally do, but if you have questions, um if this is on my feed or uh, Christina's, please ask questions. We will answer them on the spot. It's like a Q&A but also with a plot. <laughs> I can't see the I can't see the comments though, so hopefully you can cuz Uh yeah, they're really far away. From, I don't think yeah, we might have one. Um Nope, just some likes. Just likes. Yeah, if you guys have questions, feel free to ask. <laughs> I, don't, I can't see how many people are watching either. I think it's like, yeah, I can't see it from here. Um, so keeping on track with everything, um, what have you learned? Like, so there are a lot of different aspects of this that you talked about coaching, uh, training, what has been like your overall learning experience? What what have you took taken away from um, the whole competition experience, and what kind of has has filtered into your life these days? Uh, be a little more specific. That was such a broad question. <laughs> she, she hates big questions. I don't. Um, so, how has it affected the way that you live today? Like, um, are you more driven to work out? How is your okay. uh, food consumption changed? Okay, I got it. Yeah, I got yeah. It. I'm trying to lead you in. Okay, so bigly. Um, previously, as a as a distance runner, um, my diet was uh, I could eat whatever I wanted. Okay, I wasn't necessarily concerned about heart health um, because I was running. I'm like, oh, my cardiovascular system is fine. I could eat what I want. I I don't gain weight. Um, my body makeup has changed. I've obviously gained muscle um, in a lot of places. And uh, yeah, it's, I like working out now. I like going to, into the gym. Previous to, previous to bodybuilding and competing, I absolutely hated working out. I hated going to the gym. I didn't like people looking at me. Um, it was intimidating. I was afraid of it. Um, it took, literally, it took me being broken completely down 
to step foot in the gym. And it, it took everything I had to ask for help. Like, can you help me? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, doing that and actually learning how to lift gave me confidence in the gym and outside of the gym. Gave me, um, it's so much so that I, you know, I feel if I see someone struggling, I, I feel like I can walk up to them and say, hey, like, do you need help? Or how can I help? Um, and I would never in a million years would have thought that, that I would be in that position or feel that way. Um, so that, that's the, that's the lifting aspect of it, I guess. Um, feeling like almost addicted to going to the gym. Like it's a stress relief. I like going there. Um, it's my happy place. If I'm in the, you know, at work all day. Um, for those of you that don't know, I'm a doctoral student. So if I'm at work all day, that's my stress relief getting to the gym. Um, nutrition wise, I have cut out a lot of sugars, artificial sweeteners, junk food as much as possible. Um, so just overall being more conscious of what I'm putting into my body and how it's affecting me. So. Yeah. And I would say too, like it definitely is a huge part of your life. Cause if you can't get in the gym in our current situation <laughs> where, where you can't lift, it definitely changes how she So it's acts. a little it's a little uncomfortable that uh that you are the one interviewing me yeah, and we don't have Chuck here as the buffer. But um yeah, for those of you that don't know, um I have not been allowed to exercise for eleven weeks now, um, due to my back injury and the cyst um my root nerves at L five. So I've kind of had to adjust how I live. And I'm sure you guys can see I've put on a good 10 pounds, uh, get, a, get a little cushion now. Um, but I have faith with, uh, with the treatments I'm receiving that I'll be back in the gym. Uh, and that's kind of what keeps me going. Please, please <laughs> get back in the gym. Um, no, it, and it really does. So like, we don't talk about it enough, but you know, you're getting a lot of good, um, positive endorphins and you know good things that happen when you lift and people don't take that into account um but when you get used to it and it goes away uh so your it brain makes a big chemistry difference. changes yeah. um i'll be i'll be the neuro nerd for a second you guys know that i'm uh studying she's, neuroscience she's qualified to do this <laughs> um but yeah it's i kind of feel like i could be my own case study right now because um not being able to exercise has has literally changed my brain, my brain chemistry um, to the point where, uh, you know, I feel I feel down sometimes and I'm like, how can I pull myself out of this rut? Um, and so finding other things that release those those feel good uh, neurotransmitters has been has been a challenge, but um, I don't quit. And I have risen to meet that challenge and found things to keep me busy and keep me happy until I can get back in the gym. Can't wait. <laughs> um, hopefully, hopefully the doctor will take care of that. And keep in mind, it was not a lifting injury. It was actually a car accident. So the car accident combined with a congenital condition that I had, um, but the car accident exacerbated that, that condition. So, okay. So let's get back to kind of the main theme here. Um, how long did you train before you got into your first competition? Because I think I get this question a lot, like, how long should I be training before I'm entering a competition? And then people want to know a timeline of, you know, how long they would want to train with me before a show or how long they should get, you know, when they should get a coach, when they should start working on their posing. So again, um, th there's no cookie cutter answer for 
um, for this question. Basically, I already had a decent base. I was already pretty lean. Um, I started in July of 2014 in the gym and I did not compete until February of 2015. So you can do the math on that, but um, it was it was over eight months of lifting. Um, I wanted to compete that fall. So I started in July and I, I actually wanted to compete in October. Um, but October rolled around and I looked at myself and I said, I still need to build. I don't like what I see. I, I, what I did was, this is kind of probably going to sound kind of silly to some people, but I went onto Instagram and I found, I found a, a woman whose physique was similar to mine. Um, and I said, you know, I think it's reasonable that I could build to a point where I look like this girl. Okay. Um, I don't always recommend that because if you don't have a realistic idea of what you look like and what you're capable of, looking at someone else and saying, I want to be like her, isn't a good idea. I so see that a lot, by the way, as to, a trainer. You have to know what you're capable of. You have to know realistically what you could look like and you have to go for that. So uh, maybe, maybe doing what I did isn't always uh, the best advice, but having an idea of what you want to do. Uh, where you want to see yourself and, and don't go by weight. Um, I, I honestly, I have a scale, but I can tell you, I have a makeup bag full of makeup sitting on top of it. Um, and he can vouch for me on that. I don't use the scale. I think you should go by what you look like. Oh, just a little segue to that. She actually met one of my clients yesterday and the weight loss isn't really what you see with a lot of the clients. He's lost like four to five inches in the waist and only lost like 40 pounds, but it's huge. Like it's a, it's a massive difference. You can see it visually. Um, so like we always say weight loss, not the thing to go by. Um, sometimes you actually need to look at the aesthetics too, which is actually a little segue to what we're doing here. Like these, the aesthetics show a lot. Um, right. So I, in October, I looked at myself and I said, I don't think I'm ready for this, this competition. Um, I, I think I'd like to pick a different one and continue building. And so I did that. Um, and it was, did you, were you signed decision. up for the competition or the one in February? Mm -hmm. I honestly, I waited until, um, I think I waited until maybe two weeks out now. Um, I think for some people signing up for a competition gives them uh, the push or maybe the drive or the motivation that they need. I'm an extremely self-driven, self-motivated, highly motivated person. And I know that. So I didn't need to make, to make the deposit or pay for it to, to push myself. I was, um, I was, I knew I was going to get there. And, um, so for, for people that need that push, yes, sign up for it, pay, put that, put that money in, mail it out. That way, you know, it's paid for and you, you have to work your butt off to get there. I think that's, that's totally reasonable and, um, and it's not a bad idea. Yeah. And I think what you were saying too, like it, it's great to sign up for something. It's also good to know that there is no set timeline. Um, sometimes it takes people six months to get shredded. Like I've seen it. I've had clients where I'm like, I don't know how they did this. They just listened to everything that I said. They were on their diet. They didn't give a shit about anything else but looking good. And they get in shape in six months, you know. But there are also the other clients that it takes them a year, 18 months, or some clients where they never, ever follow the eating advice and they never get anywhere. They get strong as hell, but they don't look <laughs> like they're 
and anything that's, different, that's you know? huge because you have to want it. Don't, uh, don't sign up for a competition if you are not willing to put everything you have into it because it's going to suck a lot of your time up and it's, you know, it's, it's a very selfish sport and some people may not like, like me saying that, but it really is. You are giving up, um, time with other people. You're giving up a lot of food. Um, you're giving up and, and for, for my family, eating with them is very cultural. It's a very important thing. Um, almost to the point where I think they were for almost two years straight, kind of offended that I wasn't yeah. eating with them. And they would, they would kind of push food towards me. Like you need to eat or just have a bite of this or a bite of that. And, um, you know, you, you can't do that when you're, when you're on prep, you can't because a bite here and a bite there adds it adds up over time yeah i'm gonna throw this out there too um this is a common thing we see with not just competition uh i think that a lot of times because family members think they know what's best for you they're gonna push you in the absolute wrong direction when it comes to being healthy they mean well they yeah, mean well <laughs> they mean well they want you to be happy but at the same time like it sucks to eat a piece of cake and then watch you know, the aesthetics go downhill, you know, because of one piece of cake. So um, not saying we're going to talk about if it fits your macros. I actually put a question in here and Chuck's not here. So he can't even <laughs> argue the other side, which I love. Um, no, but we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But um, it is a common thing that we see not only with competitions, but with just in general training. So um, beware of that. I actually added a question when you were talking. I know I'm talking laundry, probably like these headphones are too high. Um so you just actually outlined something that I didn't bring up, but being accountable with yourself and your coach. Um, let's dig into that just a little bit more. You were basically talking about being accountable with yourself and making sure that you're doing the right steps. Um, what about with your coach, though? I know you have a story for this one, right? Yes. Uh, well, I don't know. What What are you wanting, wanting me to speak on? Uh, maybe not. I thought you had a story for this one. Um, but. So... And not not personal story. Um, I because I'm I was extremely motivated and I I am motivated and I wanted to compete. Um, I you know I hired a coach and I I stuck to everything he said. Now I have watched other people hire coaches, pay money, and not listen to half of what their coaches told them. Um, and 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 it shows. Um, you know if you are paying somebody and you're and you're trusting them, then you're not going to see the results you want if you don't listen to them. Um, and, and kind of building on that, um, when you're paying a coach, you have to kind of shut everyone else out. So you're, you're paying, paying attention to the person that you hired to help coach you through the competition. Um, and it can be very difficult if you've never competed before, you're feeling overwhelmed pretty much constantly. Um, the entire process is overwhelming. You're bombarded um, with people, you know, on social media, in, in your personal life, your friends, your family, other people who have done like one competition or two competitions and they think they're, they're an expert. And I'll throw this out there. I have competed in six different competitions um, in the INBA, the NGA, and the NPC. Um, I'm by no means an expert. Okay. I did four shows my first year and that gave me a lot of experience, I think. Um, and, uh, and then two last year, but I'm by no means an expert. Um, and I think that's something that is, is, is humbling 
Um, but, but few people are willing to admit that they are not experts. I think everybody wants to be an expert. Everybody wants to think, you know, I know the, I know the best ways to do all of this. And, um, I've done a few shows and now I, you know, now I know exactly what's going on. And, um, that's not the case. Um, and, and for that exact reason, I will continue to hire a coach and somebody to critique me because I need that. I still need that guidance. Um, I, we actually got a question from Sarah Emily, um, which is very much related to what you're saying there. Uh, do you think that starting with a coach trainer when starting out with general training is best versus going alone? Absolutely, Sarah. Um, and I've known Sarah for years. This is my, my sister from another mister over here. <laughs> um, sh yes, I think that getting a trainer um, or a coach is good because you have somebody to hold you accountable. You have somebody to check in with. Um, I also think having a training partner is is a great idea. I don't think we put that on there, but I 100% agree with that. I'm, I'm extremely blessed and thankful because Tony was my trainer, but he was also my friend. He's like a brother to me, but I had him every single day, every single day at the gym. And I knew that if I didn't show up, he was going to be like, where's my training partner? You know what I mean? And so that is what kept me showing up day after day after day after day. And then when I heard he, you know, he thought I was going to quit, I was like, oh, hell no. Like, I'm, I'm coming every day, like, in spite of that. Like, I don't care if I'm sick. I'm still showing up. So, um, yes, yeah, Sarah, definitely. Because accountability, accountability. And even even people like me who, who love the gym and aren't afraid of it anymore um, sometimes still need an accountability partner. There are still days, some days where I like have no motivation and I'm like, I don't think I'm going to make it like, but ironically enough, those same days are the days that I go in and like kick the most ass. Yeah. I mean, I, I, for sure, as somebody who is a trainer, um, even for us, it's hard to get motivated sometimes. So like some of the days that I do not feel like lifting, I go in and I just crush it. And that's, that's like actually one of those things where I'm like, I try to tell my clients, you could feel like dog shit, like just not have a good day. And anything. sometimes lifting changes your yeah. whole mood and your whole like feeling. You just feel like, a, I don't know, a million times better. And you get a good night's sleep too. Mm -hmm. Like it can make everything go away. You just got to give it a chance. <laughs> if it sucks after like 30, 40 minutes, it's not getting any better. Walk out, you know? What did she say there? Um, it won't let me join. Oh wait, uh, this is a new one. Partners are so hard. Agreed. I need to, the accountability. I'm going to have to pay someone. Amen. Like and once trainers you, work yeah. if you get a good one. Once you start, Sarah, um, you know, it, it sucks having to pay. But once you start meeting people in the gym, um, you, you more than likely will find somebody who is in the same situation as you. Heck, if I if I still lived back home, I'd, I'd come work out with you. So um, I wish you luck on that. Yeah, and um, there's good trainers over there. Yeah. I actually know a couple of trainers over there, so it's you just gotta you gotta maybe even get one for like once a week, just somebody to keep you accountable. Um, to check in with you as well, you know, yeah. they can check in if they're a good trainer, um, and you've let them know like your your weight loss plans or your fitness plans. Um, they will they will check in with you and make sure that you're you're staying on track. And Sarah, also, you can check out, I know you're probably not familiar with our podcast because it's from Christina's side, but um, 
we do have activate online. So if you go to FAQ fitness podcast, uh, slash activate, you can sign up for 30 days for free. It actually shows you exactly what to do. If you have any questions, you can check in with me. I am a trainer. So there's that too. Yeah. So I give you something. We'll help you out. Yeah. Just send us a, a direct message back on track though. Um, so it's good to make sure that you're keeping yourself accountable. Um, I, what I added in is problem areas. You kind of brought it up a little bit going into a show. A lot of times, um, what will keep you from actually doing the show? If you haven't actually signed up for it, you said you were two weeks out and you're like, uh, it's problem areas. So how did you deal? What were your initial problem areas? I'll, I'll willingly tell some of mine if you're afraid to, but, um, um okay. So, so problem areas in regards to fitness and like my physique, Actual, so body parts, maybe fitness okay. in general. So for me, um, the most difficult thing in the beginning was simply building muscle um, because I have always been underweight. Um, I've always been really lean. And so building my legs and my glutes um, was extremely difficult. Like, I mean, for those of you that are on Facebook live, you can see, like, I've lost some muscle from not lifting, but my upper body comes in at times. You can still see my vein in my shoulder. Like I still have somehow maintained this in the last 11 weeks, um, barely. Um, but my upper body comes in really quickly. It's my legs. And for a lot of women, um, it's the glute hamstring tie-in where mm-hmm. you tend to hold a lot of weight or water um, in the hips um, and then lo- also the lower the lower stomach area uh, tends to hold a little bit of water but mostly in the thighs in the the glutes in the yeah the gluten hamstring tie-in was the toughest part for me um, so uh, and that's probably always going to be a struggle especially now since I'm over 30 uh, you know, like your body changes, it's harder to get rid of that fat. And as females, we're supposed to naturally have fat in those areas. So getting your body fat that low to be stage ready is, is, is abnormal. Unnatural. Um, it's unnatural. Um, and so it is a struggle. You might be natural doing it, but it's <laughs> unnatural for the body right. to be that low in body fat percentage. Right, right. And it's also, you know, some people will argue, um, that it's that it's healthy to maintain that year round um the, that low percentage of body fat um from a medical standpoint um I, I will tell you that it's it is not healthy if you plan on having a child to to maintain uh extremely low levels of body fat as a female yeah um and you'll see that you probably saw this a lot on your team um a lot of times with distance runners that are females uh they won't have periods amenorrhea uh, the absence of a period amenorrhea yep. um so yeah you know if you're not on birth control and you're competing i, I really recommend it especially if you want to have children because um the absence of a period for for longer than um you know 3 to 4 or 5 months um is is not good you know it's not healthy it's indicative so, of problems yes definitely um, the other thing I was going to add, which is, is just not there right now. Uh, <laughs> I had something. Is it on I had your something. List? No, it's not on the list. Uh, no, we'll move on. I'll probably remember it. Anyways, next, we're going to talk about some of the not so good things about bikini competition. If I remember the other question, I'll ask it. Um, so overtraining, extreme dieting diuretics, steroids, and 
advice in quotation marks, which I can't, I can't wait for all these. These are my favorite. (laughs) The advice, the advice in quotation marks, we kind of already covered. So the advice is, um, advice that you didn't ask for. So unsolicited recommendations. It's one thing if, um, if somebody is genuinely trying to help you and, uh, pointing out things that they think you could do to, to change, uh, your physique or, or whatever the case may be. Um, the problem is it gets bad when, when you're getting advice from 20 different directions. Um, and it's really easy for you to be influenced in the beginning when you're not a seasoned competitor. Um, you're just overwhelmed. You know, you're getting advice from, from a bunch of different people and including your coach. And it's easy to kind of like, oh, maybe I should do this instead of what my coach said, because, you know, this worked for so-and-so maybe it'll work for me too. No, (laughs) you know, pick, pick, pick your coach and trust the process. Oh, well, I would add too. um, social media seems to have the answers to everything these days. As a matter of fact, I've seen at least three times in the past week, somebody say that we're going to get 15 days straight of darkness because NASA <laughs> said so. And I've called them out multiple times like, listen, this is a hoax. And it was like a hoax from two years ago. Yeah. So I guess his point <laughs> is, which is a valid point, do your research yeah. and make sure that you are, um, you know, that, that your sources are credible. You can't believe everything you, you read or hear on Facebook. Yeah, and if you need to see some of the wrong exercises to do, I have workout wrongs uh, that I post here uh, pretty frequently. But there's a lot of exercises, you know, and things that are going around on Instagram specifically. Uh, Facebook has a lot too. Um, And everybody seems, like you said, to think they're an expert. And you need to listen to someone who's qualified enough to give you that advice. So a coach... um, and listen to yourself a little bit too, because you're going to know, even your coach might, might know everything about competition, but they don't know your body specifically. So you need to also listen to those signs that you're getting from your body and how you feel too. I think it's, that's a really important point that that can lead us up to, um, accountability, um, in regards to nutrition, um, over exercising and things like that. I think people bounce from coach to coach in in bodybuilding because they aren't getting the results that they see or that, that they would like to see rather um and i disagree with that habit i don't think that's a, a good thing and the reason being is your coach when you're with your coach for the first time has to learn your body just like you have to learn your body um and that's not a it's not a it's not a permanent thing, right? It's not a, it's not a permanent, hold on a second. All right. Sorry about that. (laughs) There's a call coming through. We had a call we had to take care of. Um, so anyways, going back to, going back to what I was saying until we got, it's delayed by the way, if you're looking at the Facebook live, it's, it's always about 10 seconds shorter or, uh, behind. Uh, so anyways, I don't even know what I was saying because of that. Um, so, when you are oh, in right. training, your coach. yeah, your coach, so, um, it's you. Ha- you have to give it time. You cannot expect instant results. And I think we live in a society where people people want to see results quickly, instantly. And if and if the coach doesn't get it right the first time, um, 
you know, you, you want to blame the coach, right? You want to blame your, your outcome or what your results or lack thereof on your coach. And I think being accountable is really important. Um, knowing your body, knowing when to say no, um, uh, you know, I, I've been there. I've done that. I, there was a point in time where I ended up in the hospital because I took a diuretic I had no business taking. Okay. This is my first year competing. It was my fourth show. I didn't need to take it. I, I took it. I ended up in the hospital. I was hypokalemic, which for those of you that don't know, means my potassium was deathly low. Um, and you know, at first I really wanted to blame my coach, but after a lot of time away from that, I realized I'm accountable for my own actions. I chose to accept the diuretic and take it. And while it was an over-the-counter diuretic, I should have known better. I should have said, you know what? I don't need to take this. I'm going to go in the way I am and everything's going to be good. And I didn't do that. So, you know, it would be, it would be really easy for me to blame other people. But at the end of the day, I need to take, take credit for that. Uh, so know your body, know your limitations. Um, it's okay to tell somebody no, and it's okay to walk away from something that you feel uncomfortable with. And as long as you know where your boundaries are and where your comfort zone is, and you're okay with protecting that, then you're going to be fine. Um, my little tidbit to that too is, um, your coach can write something down on paper and want it to be what is right. Um, and this goes with us with personal training too. Like you can give a recommendation on exercise or whatever, but we also are not always with the person that we're coaching. Right. And so if your calories are, are so low that you're getting to the point where you're going to pass out and, or, and this is a great point too, because this also happened to me. I was in a, such an extreme calorie deficit that I had to reach out to my coach and say, listen, this is not working for me. Like I was literally in starvation mode, passing out or almost passing out in workouts. That is not healthy nor yeah. safe. And um, it wasn't necessary either. So, and, and after I, after I addressed this, my, my meal plans were changed and it was corrected. But, um, and, and that, that, but he wouldn't have known if you wouldn't have given the anecdotal evidence. So, so it's, commu approach. it's communication. It's yeah. communication. You have to communicate. You have to let them know what's going on. Um, or else they can't make the necessary changes. And I think a lot of times people want to take things into their own hands or ask someone else. And that's just involving too many people and complicating yeah. it. And it's just not good. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Right. Um, and then the other thing too is overtraining. So we were kind of talking about that earlier and both of us have done this. Um, yeah. And I think this is a mistake that you almost have to make to know that you're making it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for a lot of people, uh, you know, especially when you're excited and it's the beginning and you're like super pumped about competing. Um, it's really easy to, to push yourself too hard, to go too hard. Um, and I, I know some people are going to be like, Christina, there's no such thing as going too hard. Um, Beast mode, but... 24 <laughs> seven team, no days off. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> but the truth is you can go too hard and um, and your body will tell you, your body will give you the warning signs and you, you really need to be in tune with yourself and, and know what those warning signs are and not push it too far because you can end up, you know, suffering some serious health consequences as a result, hospitalization. Was that one you call rhabdo or something? Rhabdomyolysis. Yeah. It's a uh, rhabdomyolysis. Um, it's I call it DOMS. 
It's basically um, where your muscle tissue just, you've got so much lactic acid and, and, and muscle breakdown. Um, you pee and it's really awful colors like orange and red and maybe even darker. Um, so, and you know, aside from that, just dehydration, um, yeah. you know, low blood sugar, uh, things that, you know, you shouldn't have to do that to get to re results. You no, know, and you no, know, you don't. You don't have to to do any of those things or, or suffer from any of those things to to get results. And I and I think it's important um, to know where to draw the line, um, know your body, and listen to it. That's that's the takeaway. <laughs> My add to that too is you don't have to be sore every time you work out for it to be a good no, workout. No, no, definitely not true. And if you're if you're hearing that from the outside opinions we were talking about before, that's bullshit. Um, we know this, like we're, we're very in tune with our bodies. It's, it's not something that you have to do. Um, and now we get to the real, real ugly steroids and it, it's, it's weird. We're talking about bikini and you're like, no, they don't take steroids. Just like CrossFit doesn't take steroids. That's bullshit. And also in bikini it is, it's like getting crazy, right? Um, I mean, I kind of, Maybe it's I always the, been. I had the wool over my eyes, I think, in the beginning, and I was wearing my rose-colored glasses. But the longer I've been in, in the industry, I've realized kind of um, I can't speak specifically to steroids. It's 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 still a very taboo thing. Like people don't openly talk about it. Um, but it's it's kind of like the elephant in the room. Like you know, you can tell when you see a girl with really really capped shoulders. Like it's like come on. Like I know you're you're doing something. Um, and that's your personal choice. I'm not here to judge. I personally will never do it. I remember my question. But, what? I remember my question. Now it's going to go with this really well. Okay, well, uh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, so, when you started lifting, did you get beast mode and, like, huge and swole so quick? I mean, you got, like, huge, right? Yeah, I'm so huge. <laughs> so... This is, and it's something that we've talked about I mean, before I on the now, podcast. Thanks to not being able to work no. out. <laughs> so the most common thing that women say, they're like, you can't lift. Oh, they're afraid of getting yeah. like super huge. How hard is it to even get it like a little me, bit of muscle? It took me two years of lifting Non-stop. heavy legs. Yeah. to grow tiny little quad muscles. <laughs> and I'm so scared that these tiny little quads I worked on are are like shriveling up right now. But um, no, that's ridiculous. But but here's the thing too that I think people need to understand. Um, I'm 5'7", so I have really long legs. I'm mostly legs, I have a short torso. Um, so that in and of itself makes it really difficult for me to build muscle in my legs because they're so long. Um, so I think for somebody that's shorter, um, not only is it easier for you to look big, if you will, um, but it's also probably easier for them to build muscles. Yeah. The, the little, the tiniest uh, muscle growth in a shorter person is going to be more noticeable than it will, would be for me. Um, and so, but, but regardless, uh, a woman who's never lifted before going into the gym, who's worried about getting like super huge and looking manly is the most asinine thing I've ever heard. Um, and I just roll my eyes so hard. Like, I don't know how they don't stay back there um, because <laughs> it's just not going to happen unless you're like doing some heavy drugs. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, and and that's that's my little segue from uh, steroids there, because <laughs> it, I swear that people think that they're going to get the results that women on steroids get. 
like instantaneously just from lifting. And I'm like, fuck, no, you no. won't. And I could have you lift all day, every day. You wouldn't get that big. I think this is a great point to, to jump off into the health benefits of lifting too, because, um, you know, for those of you that don't know, I do teach undergraduate courses at USF. And one of them is a physical changes course. We discuss physical changes, um, so uh, basically all the body systems and how they change with age. So pathological versus normal aging, Patholo pathological meaning disease state. So what is a disease? What is normal? Um, and something that I think isn't talked about a lot with women in regards to weightlifting are the, the health benefits. So um, it helps with with bone, the, the, the bone prevents, density. Yeah, it prevents bone degeneration. Um, so having having muscle there is 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 a positive thing, right? If you fall and you have some muscle to cushion the bones, you're less likely to get a fracture. Um, but also uh, flexibility in lifting strength. Um, I mean, you can speak to this too, given you train a lot of older adults and older women. Yeah. So um, flexibility, preventative uh, injury, actually. So. Um you're preventing the degeneration of a lot of the joints. If you strengthen the muscles around like your hips, your um, lower back, your knees, um, which are the most common for women to have problem areas um, as far as like with if they and fall. And you don't have to lift heavy. I think there's yeah. this misconception that you have to lift really heavy. You don't. Um, I have a client that's in her mid to late 70s, and we spend a lot of time with flexibility mobility and then just minor strength training and it's significantly trained uh fixed her, her flexibility trained her muscular endurance she feels better she walks better she's had multiple surgeries on her foot her hips hands and it's making all those things better just by being more active and this is a person that in her late 70s has never trained before so um these are our health benefits too um even if you're not doing a competition, but something that would help you with that is training for a competition, right? Absolutely. Um, training, training. And we're not even talking about, so internal benefits too, you know more about that. Yeah. I mean, obviously uh, it depends on the types of workouts you're doing, but um, case in point, um, weightlifting actually made me a better runner. Uh, shocking, right? I put mm -hmm. on 10 pounds of muscle going into it. I weighed around 112. Coming out of lifting, I weighed around 118. So six pounds of muscle, uh, potentially since then even more, um, given I don't lose at all. <laughs> but, uh, You'll be fine. But yeah. We'll be okay. I will. I will. Um, but yeah, it, it actually made me a faster runner. So I dropped my half marathon time by 10 minutes from getting 10 pounds of muscle. So Which is counterintuitive to what most people think. So right. that's amazing. Right. Um, this does not go with bikini competition, but I just did a obstacle course race yesterday. Did not do my cardio, but still placed in the top ten <laughs> because I was strong enough to get through the obstacles. So, um, which was which was uh, there were thirty obstacles. So, yeah, yeah, it was a big part of it. Would have been in the top five had I not <laughs> went on top of the fences you're supposed to crawl under and ruin the obstacle and had to fix it. But it was a learning experience, and what I can say is weightlifting helped me with that. So. Um, there you go. You don't always have to run to be healthy, which I think is what happens I, a lot. And I people think, say, say you know, that. not to knock, I think people that are in the bodybuilding community always want to knock cardio. Um, but you don't, but then they use it as a tool to cut at the right, end. You don't have to. That's the thing. <laughs> you don't have to run um, to do cardio. You can do the stairs. You can do. In fact, there are certain um, 
uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of some examples of hit that, that you can, I mean, a hit, hit works walking on this, on the stairmaster, uh, the treadmill at an incline. Um, there's literally a ton of things that you can do for, for cardio where you get your, your heart rate elevated. Um, yeah, so, I have a lot of people that are working on more aesthetic oriented goals doing sprint interval training. So a minute on minute off is a really good one. Um, stairs are staple. If you've yeah. been like a world gym in San Diego, every bodybuilder does stairs or walks on the incline. That's pretty much the staple cardio for bodybuilders. Yep. Um, okay. So going into some of the other things that we wanted to talk about sponsorships, uh, relationships, attitude, networking, social media, professionalism, um, all kind of grouped together. We're going to go into those separately, but sponsorships, you're sponsored. You got your shirt on right now. I am. Um, I am sponsored by two companies right now. Um, extreme body. Um, <laughs> super cool dudes in Tampa. You need to go there. Yeah. Extreme body nutrition, uh, located in Tampa Palms. Um, I right next to crunch. I got picked up by them. Um, my, at my very first NPC show, which was my third overall show. Um, I did pretty well given it was a huge show. Um, and they asked me to be on their team and I signed a contract with them and I, it's, you know, no regrets. It's been two years. This, this July will be two years with them. Um, and it's a great partnership. You know, um, I promote for them. I do demos for them and they supply me with, you know, advice, supplements, and uh, they're like family, honestly. They have, it's a family owned store. And I, I literally feel like they're my, my family. My brothers, their mom is like just the sweetest person ever. So um, it's a great relationship. Um, you know, it's, there's, there are, there is a business side to it. Uh, but there's also that, that other side that I feel like I can go to them if I have something, uh, something wrong personally in my personal life. So that's, that's really nice to have that and really, really grateful for that. And there ends in the fitness industry too. Like they can connect you with the right people. Sure. They have, um, and that, and that's kind of leading into the next point. Um, uh, you know, in anything that you do in life, building relationships and building a good rapport with people is going to get you further. So having a positive attitude, um, being friendly, being nice to people will always get you further than, than showing your ass, um, being humble. Um, you know, those are the kinds of things that, that will attract other people to you. Um, and you know, even, even with me not being able to work out, um, I was doing a demo for extreme body and I met the owner of you fit meals. Um, and he asked me to kind of work with him. And so that's how I picked up you fit meals, um, which, you know, they're a meal delivery company now in Gainesville, Tampa, West Palm, hopefully soon Sarasota Yeah, down in Sarasota by us. So coming, so, coming soon. But yeah. Um, and, and that relationship was built just by me saying hi and talking and, um, and being myself, you know, so, so being nice to people is, is always going to get you further. And I think, um, in this industry, really not, not being a backstabber. Um, even, even if you have something that, that you want to say that's negative, I think it's best always to keep it to yourself because it is a tight knit community and something that you may say innocently, um, 
you know, could inadvertently get back to the person you were saying it about. And that's just, it's, it's a small community, guys. It's a small world, I promise you. Um, six degrees of separation. It's more like two degrees of separation in the bodybuilding community. Yeah, she's better at that than I am because I just speak my mind a lot. Which, which <laughs> I makes get myself, me want to slap him. <laughs> yeah, I get, I get myself in trouble, but I, I call people out because I'm, you know, I'm one of those people. I'm sick of people claiming to be trainers when they're not or well, like a little fitness different. expert that's but yeah a little different i think if there's a there's a time and a place for everything and if someone's <clears> bullshitting <throat> you and you know they're bullshitting you i think it's okay to, to call them out but yeah overall having an opinion about someone's physique is is you know they're i think i need to explain what i mean you don't need to comment on somebody else's coaching or somebody else's body or things like that like there are certain things you should keep to yourself as yeah. an athlete as a professional um, as a sponsored athlete, especially not bow mouthing people. Um, so, so learning when it's okay to say things and when it's appropriate and, and things like that. And the other thing too, is when we're talking about the politics, um, you're not going to get very far in the competition circuit. If you are a negative person, uh, the judges are looking for very positive people. They want you smiling on stage. They want you to have that certain charisma and you won't do it with a negative attitude. So, Network, connect, um, make friends, don't make enemies. Um, and I think that goes along with what you're saying. And that that's uh, a part of the professionalism thing that we talked about. Also, she had mentioned too, like she was at a demo. She met someone that had another company being professional, showing up, doing the demos, even when you're not able to lift, you're not really feeling it. Um, is something that goes along with what you're choosing to do. Um, I think social media is definitely a huge thing that we should touch on how it can be good, bad, um, and what to kind of do with it to help promote you. Cause this is very much an individual sport like you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure that was, there were, that was a lot of questions thrown at me. At once. Okay. So, um, <laughs> my take is, uh, if you're a bikini athlete or in any competition at this point, um, you're trying to promote yourself. And so to do that, there are some things that you should probably be posting on social media and maybe you should not be posting on social media. So let's kind of talk um, about that. I think I, wow. Um, <laughs> again, I, it depends what you post is obviously a very personal, personal choice, right? So, um, for me, I think I wear many hats, right? So being a PhD student, being an instructor at the university, um, being a sponsored athlete, having my own personal life, um, learning to juggle all of those things um, and learning kind of what is okay to post and what is not okay to post. Um, it's a learning experience. It, there's, a, there's a curve there. There's no right um, or wrong. There's no right or wrong. Um, but I think honestly for me, it's, it's been a really natural process. It's not something I overthink. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think in the beginning, that's how my following on Facebook grew. I have over 8,000 followers, which I'm like, why? Like I'm <laughs> just living my life. You know what I mean? Um, but I think just, I can give you a few reasons show <laughs> <laughs> showing, um, showing people the process, um, in the beginning, is is how I built up all the followers. So, hey guys, like this is me. I'm a PhD student. I'm doing a bikini competition and just kind of posting my, you know, my process and my progress and what I was doing and my struggles. And that's something I think that 
um, a lot of people don't do or they're afraid to do is talk about the negative things and the struggles and I'm not. I'm, I'm going to tell you like, hey, today sucked. I went to the gym anyways and I still kicked ass. Or hey, you know, um, I had a really awful day at work. This happened. I mean, I, I, I publicized when I found out I had um, the cysts on my back. And it took me a little while to be honest about that. But it was kind of like opening up a little piece of my soul to, to everyone on my Facebook. Um, but I did it because I wasn't posting as much about the gym and I wanted everyone to see like, my life isn't all sunshine and rainbows, even though I might slap a, a smile on my face every day and fake it to make it because that's what you have to do sometimes. Um, the truth is, no, it's not always, it's not always happy. It's not always great and grand and, and that's okay. Like that's a, that's a part of life. Um, I think people like to put on this facade on, on their social media, like, you know, that they sh only show what they want people to see. And, and, um, I, I personally did not build a following only showing people what they wanted to see. Yeah. And I mean, I can attest to this too. It's, it's very similar for me. My, uh, physique has changed here and there, and it's not <laughs> as fun to post a, a naked or half naked self, but not naked. <laughs> you're Whoa. Like, you're like, wait a second, <laughs> half naked selfie of myself. <laughs> uh, when I don't have abs, but you know, like sometimes you have to show that as a trainer too. And you have to tell your clients like, speaking of, uh, what? we will be posting, um, we're, I'm going to take before photos, um, before meaning after I'm allowed to work out yeah. again, we're going to take before photos. So, um, the weight that I've gained, um, since I haven't been able to train and then he's going to train me, um, get, you know, potentially show ready again. And we will, uh, we'll see, we'll see the progress, which is going to be fun. I'm really kind of excited about that. That's and I, I, I put, um, I put out a word on our last Facebook live for the people that are, um, from the FAQ fitness side, I'm actually posting my workout tomorrow. So like the, the whole week of workouts, uh, if you want to follow along with what I'm doing this week, I also took before pictures already, which I'm not going to show you <laughs> until later on, but I can show you like in the, it's like three weeks until we go to Costa Rica, two uh, and a, almost ooh, three, it's not even quite two and a half, maybe. So I'm going to try to be on my meals. I'm going to show you what I'm eating. Uh, I'm going to show you what I'm doing as far as in the gym. You can literally follow exactly what I'm doing. Um, it's an open process. It's the first time I've ever done it for like an extended period. Um, so if that's something you're interested in doing, follow my social media. Um, I'll have it up there and you can download the PDF for the workout too. Um, so back on track though, uh, we talked about the relationships, attitude, networking, social media. Um, one little thing with social media too, it's not bad to post before and afters. Um, it's not bad to post self selfless or selfless shirtless selfies. I cannot get that right today, huh? Uh, <laughs> naked. <laughs> naked ones. You can post naked ones if you want. Uh, <laughs> no, mercy. but real, realistically, it's not bad. If people give you shit about that, it is good to show your process. Um, I really like to see it. Uh, it's, it's cool to see people that have went from, you know, like a little bit chubby out of season and then get shredded for shows. It's, Just keep it classy. Yeah, I keep think, it classy. I think I see a lot of not um, naked. Yeah, I think I see a lot of like people completely bent over for the for the <laughs> the hamstring. Yes, I noticed the glute that. Tie in and for bikini. Um, yeah, 
you know, keep just keep it classy. That's all. You know, it, you know, you know what that means. If you're getting a lot in a DM, you should probably <laughs> back off some of your posts. I don't know though, because sometimes you post the modeling pictures and people just go crazy. Yeah, they're relentless. <laughs> yeah, if you've, yeah, we we both know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to move into some of the uh, more specific things. Day of the show. Um, so even before that, I don't think we got to this. What about tanning? All right. So for anyone who has never competed before, tanning seems like ludicrous and like crazy. And um, a lot of times people, Orange. they ask why. Yeah. You look very much like an Oompa Loompa. Um, I remember Can you avoid tanning? No, no, because tanning is actually part of the scoring. So mm -hmm. um, having an even nice tan, dark tan um, is actually something that you're that you're scored or judged on. Um, so so don't talk shit because <laughs> they have to do it. Yeah, we have to do it. Um, and yeah, I do get really black. I think I took an, I took a picture next to Tony um, because yes, even <laughs> even black people get spray tan. Tony got a spray tan too, and I and I was like, you you know, what's up with that? But um, it just it it makes your overall skin tone very even and and, and pretty on stage. Um, but I yeah, we were like we were like very close to the same color, and I was like, this is kind of. <laughs> like kind of cool you know dark for a day and we we got your 23 and me back so you're not black no i'm very white i'm <laughs> very, very european i'm very very european mostly um, so it's kind of fun to get a spray tan if you're super pale most of the year like me um but it, it unfortunately washes off in a couple of weeks and it smells terrible and you can't touch anything for a little while until it dries yeah. once, once you're dry you're okay okay so day of the show um What's changing in the show? I mean, it depends on your coaching, but what what are the things that are happening day of the show that aren't happening during your prep? Um, most of the time, your water intake is limited, so um, sips of water or maybe no water for a few hours at a time. Um, usually after pre-judging, which is in the mornings, um, your coach will tell you what they would like you to eat for, for like uh, lunch in between. Um, and then finals are usually in the evening time. Um, and you're mostly putting your feet up and resting. At least in my experience, we were told to stay off of our feet so we didn't swell. Um, and kind of just relaxing until finals. Um, so with bikini, do you try to get any, like, before you walk out, are you trying to get any pump or anything? Yeah. So um, I think most people generally, well, there's like a usually a pump up area where they'll have weights or bands. Um, and yeah, even bikini girls, we like to get a little bit of a pump before we go on. Um, and so, yeah, we do, we do the same things that you would see, um, the physique and the bodybuilding guys and, and girls doing. Yeah. And then the other question I have is, are you taking in any carbs day of before you go out? The day of? Um, so in the morning time, and, and here's the thing, you're asking me questions that are, are, there's no cookie cutter answer to these questions. So um, it's going to depend on who you are, what your body responds to. So I can't, I can't give a general answer to that question because it's going to be person by, you know, a very uh, individual, individualistic uh, answer. So for me, um, my pre stage meals would usually consist of uh, rice cakes or oatmeal or something like that. Um, some sort of carbs. Um, maybe with peanut butter. Um, 
It really depends. And the, the, the night before is really important too. Like other, my first show, I had two pieces of pizza and a glass of wine the night before. And I came in looking diced. Like I was arguably the best I've ever looked. My, everyone else was, you know, my coach and everyone else would say no, um, that my third show, I looked the best, but I, I feel like I looked pretty good on that. The pizza really filled me out. My fat, my fat responsible to fat, my body responsible to fat. So. No, uh, so my first photo shoot I ever did, uh, I cut carbs hard, like to the point where I was about to kill people driving <laughs> to the photo shoot. And then after the photo shoot, I ate literally a half a pizza. Yeah. Half of a pizza. And then you somebody called looked, me up. You probably looked better. Well, somebody called me and wanted to shoot me the next day. Mm -hmm. And it was my second photo shoot. And, you and my better. second one, I looked 30 times better like yeah. it was just unbelievable and yeah, it was because i had those carbs it's yeah a little bit of a refeed so and that's that's why i asked that question yeah and so usually um the day of i i don't recall ever having pizza on the break between pre-judging and finals i i've always had like sweet potato ground beef green beans like rice like the usual like like classic bodybuilding meal prep stuff um but that's fine i was okay with that you know um it, and then afterwards you know you can you can celebrate um, with, with some sort of a cheat meal. Um, but that leads us right into something we haven't talked about, which is reverse dieting. Yeah. Um, it's great. So what we're going to talk about funny enough, um, Lane Norton is a big fan of reverse dieting, but he's also a founder of if it fits your macros, which, oh God. so it's like two different, one thing I really agree with. And one thing I don't really agree with. So well, let's start with reverse dieting. Yeah, we'll I'm sort not, that. I don't have that's... a lot to say about it. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty straight to the point. Yeah. Um, the idea of reverse dieting is, um, to continue giving yourself pretty much the same, you're staying on the pretty much the same meal plan that you were on to get on the stage and to get stage ready. Um, because you can throw your whole body, um, into a state of shock if you don't reverse diet. Mm -hmm. And I've seen plenty of people, um, just cold Turkey, go back to eating like a regular American after competing and they blow up. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I want to say this from a not expert opinion, but what I, what I think this is, is your body's in a state of starvation pretty much when you're on stage you're you're pretty much in a state of starvation yeah and then kind of. now you're feeding it all of these amazing carbs amazing fats salts. and you're you're in salts and your body is like oh shit like i need to hold on to this so it has been said now i'm not going to quote this because i don't have the research in front of me but it has been said that your body is actually more efficient at storing that in a starving state and so you will actually put on more weight than you would if you reverse dieted out of it and then started eating more normal again. Right. And that's, the, and that's the theory. So, um, reverse dieting is really important. Um, and something that I've found, like my, my little two cents here is that I feel better when I'm eating prep food. I, if I go out to eat now, it's a common complaint and Parker always rolls his eyes at me, but I don't like extra sauces on things. I don't like extra salt on things. I will specifically ask for no salt and no butter on things when I go out to eat because it's just, it, it's almost too much. Um, from cooking my food at home and knowing what it tastes like without extra sodium, I can't stand the extra sodium anymore. 
Yeah, I don't I don't really like salt anyway, so that's not a big one. But the sauce is, yes, it is. Um, I really, she likes really plain stuff I sometimes. I do. I eat, um, well, I'm not afraid to try new foods. I don't like, um, I like to taste the food in its natural state. I don't like to mask it with a ton of, like, ketchup or sriracha. I, don't get me wrong. I love sriracha. But I don't like to overpower everything that I'm eating so that I can't taste the food. I like to overpower everything with sriracha. <laughs> That's why she's using that I know example. I get offended because I'll cook him food, and then before he even takes a bite of it, he's, like, dumping all his crap all over just it. Just sriracha. It's like, just sriracha. And I'm like, can you at least take a bite of the food I cooked before you, like, start masking the taste with sriracha? That's not why. I just... <laughs> I like sriracha. I like it to be really spicy. I like it spicy. Okay. Um, no, I can, I can 100% agree with this. When we were in Thailand, though, the spices on that stuff was like, so woo, Thai hot. Thai hot. There's something to be said about that. Um, no, but the other thing too is your eating habits have changed. Um, you, you, de- well, I mean, I can't say that because I don't really know before, but, um, you definitely eat more frequently than I do. You're like more of a, four, five, six well, meals a day type person. So I've always, I've always been frequent eating. Yeah. I've always had a really fast metabolism. Um, competing definitely exacerbated that. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's true. I eat every couple of hours and you would think like after 11 weeks of no, um, no hardcore, hardcore working out, um, that maybe my metabolism would slow down, but it really, it hasn't. Um, I'm still, we'll eat breakfast and within an hour to two hours, I'm like, I'm hungry. And he'll look at me like, what the hell we just yeah. ate? Uh, I, I see, I've said this before, but <laughs> I eat like pretty much two big meals a day and then I'll have something in the middle somewhere. But he hasn't competed yet. And for all of my friends that have, I keep telling him, I'm like, you just wait. Like you are probably going to have to adjust some things, um, in regards to the frequency um, and, and what you're eating. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. Stay tuned for that <laughs> one. Um, so we wanted to go into a little tidbit that was on that last part too. Um, if it fits your macros would be after the, the reverse dieting. So you should make sure that if you're going to go back to a normal diet, do it in a way that you're reintroducing, I would say carb cycling almost. So you're reintroducing the carbs slowly. Yeah. Um, try to get your macros more. Yeah. Introducing anything that you've cut out slowly, slowly yeah. back in slowly. Yeah. Um, so the little tidbit on if it fits your macros, the reason why I bring this up again, because there's probably new listeners, right? Well, so yeah, we have me and, on Facebook Live yeah. here. So for anybody watching Facebook Live, um, something we didn't <laughs> explain really is that this is Parker and his best friend Chuck. Um, it's this is their podcast. Um, I'm just using Facebook Live so that my followers and my friends and family can see. Uh, and listen in tonight too. So we can get some different opinions as well. Right. And it's always cool to, to have extra people and people that haven't um, been a part of the podcast before uh, listening. So um, he has in his podcast brought up um, if it fits your macros. He's not a fan. His friend Chuck is a fan. And, um, and if Chuck, if you're seeing this at all, be sure to chime in <laughs> and argue. I bet he won't though. Um, no, but so if it fixed your macros is this concept that um, if you plan out your cheat meal, it is okay. And the funny thing 
that I see with if it fits your macros. And this, this is the reason why we brought it up in this podcast is because it's a common theme in competitors, right? They're like, I'm just going to have this one cheat meal. Well, basically, it's like, let's say you're a heroin addict, right? And you're like, I'm not going to do heroin, but just one time a week. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to have this sugar or this fat just or whatever. Just one little it is. hit. <laughs> just one hit a week. You are basically just making up an excuse to do it. And it's not because, like, look, I, can, I promise you, either one of us could get away with it. It's more for the average person. Um, it's more for my clients and um, kind of this society where they, I hate the word cheat, too. Cheat is a, a funny word. Like, Well, I just, I mean, when you're, when you're on a prep uh, meal plan um, or a diet, I hate the word diet, but that's what it is, you are restricting yourself from things that you would normally consume. Um, and I'll be the first to say it. Okay, um, because I'm an educator, I think it's responsible of me to say it, that limiting yourself um, to that extent for an extended period of time is not healthy, which is why it is important to take vitamins and supplement um, because you're not, you may not be getting everything that you need from the foods that you're eating. I think the reason that If It, fit, if it fits Your Macros came about was to kind of give people um, on this restricted meal plan, the opportunity to eat foods that aren't on the meal plan. And I get that. And I'm, and I'm to an extent, I'm for that. Um, but I think where the problem lies is people have kind of turned something good into, um, a, a means to, um, consuming things excessively that they shouldn't right. by, and they're, they've actually kind of twisted if it fits your macros into something that I don't think it was originally designed to be by saying, oh, you know, if I cut out this meal, then I can have these donuts later. Uh, you know, and <laughs> which there is nothing, there are no <laughs> macros in donuts. Trust me, I eat them. Uh, there are no macros in donuts that are going to fit anything in a prep, like so... that you don't need them. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things. So, and again, um, I'm I believe in moderation. I preach moderation when I teach. Um, the key to life is moderation. Um, but I just they've spun it into something that is yeah. Really not. And I think that's really turned a lot of people like Parker and I off of the whole if it fits your macros. What the my coaching style, the way that I was coached. Um, was very old school bodybuilding. So you weigh your food. So in essence, you're still calculating calories in and calories out, um, but not in the same not in the same manner as the, if it, if it fits your macros. I saw a lot of people eating things like I don't know. I don't eat pork, and I haven't eaten pork for a while now, almost a year. But um, I, I see people like eating pork as part of their meal plan, and I'm just like, oh man, like. But it fits in my macros, and I'm like, pork's really not that great for you guys. <laughs> like, it's just yeah. That's I mean, that's a whole other debate because we'll, we'll get the keto people on here, and they're gonna yeah, be like, oh, I love I bake know. or paleo too. <laughs> and I just finished Wired to Eat. I'm not um, trying to offend and, anyone. Yeah, there's a lot of pork in in his. It it depends. You know, you can there's. They're good, ver- yeah, they're, they're good versions of everything. <laughs> I don't want the paleo or the keto people coming after us right Please now. Don't attack us. There's there's so many. They're they're growing. Um, no, but this leads us into the last point. Um, post cycle binging. Um, and and it this is what we're talking about with the reverse dieting. But what I keep seeing is 
people that just put on 20, 30 pounds after um, they just go from doing a show to like eating this crazy diet. And it is amazing. We talked a little bit about it, like how your body can store that and just how unhealthy it is for you. And so speak a little bit to the reason I think some people do that if mm -hmm. you want. And I, yeah, I want to cover this for sure. Go for it. Um, I don't think I'm going with this where you think I'm going with this, but we're talking uh, about earlier. Um, not exactly. So I think the reason that a lot of times people, um, put on a lot of weight afterwards is, is psychological. So when you have the goal of competing planned and you see it and it's something that you're working towards and then you complete that goal and you don't have another goal set for yourself, it can be very easy to kind of fall into this rut of, Mm -hmm. well, you know, F it. I I don't have another show. So I'm going to eat this burger and I'm going to have this milkshake and then, you know, I'll, I'll be good tomorrow. But then the next day comes around and someone has like Oreos out and you eat half a pack of Oreos and then you're like, well, screw it. Yeah, sure. Let's order pizza. And it's just one thing after the other. And it's, um, this, I guess kind of leads into what we were talking about food in this country for uh, most people, a lot of people, there's a direct connection to, um, the reward sensory system in the brain. So eating sugary things, eating foods high in fat, release dopamine, which makes you feel happy and good. And so, um, you know, <laughs> that's what you do. Food is associated with the feel-good um, mechanisms in the body, the feedback loops. So the reward sensory system, and this is something that Parker and I were discussing on our own um, earlier today, Um, Something that I talk about in my class as well that I don't like, and I think if I ever become a parent, um, I will not raise my child um, using food as a reward, and here's why. So from the time that you're young, um, it, it, it happens in schools, it happens at home with grandparents, parents, and I get it, okay? I get, you know, that sometimes you just want you know, little Johnny to shut up. And sometimes the only way to do that is to give him a lollipop and shut him up that way. Um, or Cheerios. Or che- anything, yeah. Goldfish. But, but the, the, the truth is, is that you are um, aiding. Reinforcing. Reinforcing the, the negative um, relationship between feelings of reward and happiness with food. And if you if you reinforce that relationship with a child, they will continue to have that kind of relationship with food for the rest of their lives. So, oh, you you know, you got straight A's this semester. I'm going to take you out to eat or I'm going to give you this this ice cream or um if you go clean your room, you can have a snack. Um there are other ways that you can uh, reward your children without using food. Um, and what that'll do is that will, um, help them through, through the rest of their lives. They won't need, they won't see food as a reward for things that they've done. Um, and, and I, you know, I could go on and on about that, but I think I've said, (laughs) yeah, this is a a topic for another podcast, but it is, it's very much, um, Food is community. Food is considered uh, love almost. Like, you know, that's just something that you associate food with. So It's a, cult- it's a very cultural thing. Yeah. thing. So I get that it's it's hard to, to separate. But I think there there is a distinction between, um, 
you know, cultural eating in a cultural sense and in in specifically sugary foods and giving sugary foods to someone as a reward. Yeah. Um, and it's a big part of the competition community, you know, like that's just kind of one of those things where it's like, Hey, I just finished everything and now I'm going uh, to go binge. Yeah. yeah. Cause the, the relationship to food has actually become a bad thing. Um, where you're not able to have that, heroin basically you well, know so, i mean he's joking around about heroin but um very similar release oreos, the brain, right? oreos have the same effect on the brain as cocaine um literally the exact same neurotransmitters are released when someone eats oreos that are released when someone does cocaine so they are as addictive as cocaine which totally explains why after my show i ate like an, an almost an entire uh double stuff pack what kinds just regular? It was just double stuff. Yeah, regular double stuff. Actually, it may have been the mint ones. Oh. Those are my vice. Uh, so so much so that my students my students knew that semester and they, they gave me Oreos that semester. They're trying to sabotage they you. They were. Just like you're, you've got it coming from your students, your family members. <laughs> I would give you Oreos. First no, world problem, guys. First yeah. world problems. Um, but anyways, if you have any questions on bikini competitions, feel free to ask. We can always have another podcast similar to this. Um, remember, you can follow Christina on social media, which is? Xtina underscore M underscore Martin. So that's X-T-I-N-A. That's mm -hmm. it. Um, and then I'll put that in the description as well. And then uh, keep in mind that we have activate free for 30 days. All you have to do is go to faqfitnesspodcast.com slash activate. Um, and then you can follow my plan that I'm doing for the next like two and a half weeks for free and do it with me um, if you follow me on social media. All right. On that note, thank you for listening. Thank you for being on, Christina. Thank you for having me. For sure. Later. See ya. Thank you for listening to FAQ Fitness Podcast. If you liked our show, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. For more workout programs, video resources, and to ask your fitness questions, check out our website at faqfitnesspodcast.com.